Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. This offering this morning, would you use it, Father? Would you uh, further your word, the reach of your word, Father? Might the gospel stretch beyond this community, this church, the city of Philadelphia, state of Pennsylvania, our nation, all the way across the globe, God. God, do something great through the gifts that are given. Echo the gospel to the ends of the earth. Whatever is given this day, God, might you use it, might you multiply it, might you bless those who are able to participate in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, while the ushers are coming around collecting the offering, we encourage you to go ahead and worship the Lord in that way. I got a couple of announcements. If you got one of these, then it has the announcements in it. You can follow along. But uh, just a couple to give you. We are continuing to look for our nursery coordinator, and we're super excited. We've been drilling down over and over again to kind of kind of create the exact right position for our families who have young people, young kids, and, uh, and the nursery would be a blessing for their family. And so if you know somebody who, like, they're gifted to work with kids, and maybe they're here or maybe they're not here yet, you can invite them to take a look on our website and check out that job, and maybe that's the right spot for them and a great way that they can plug into the life of the church. But we're really excited um, that God is continuing to bless our nursery. we got some volunteers down there, and uh, I know as a parent that it is a real blessing to be able to come to church and know that our littlest ones all the way through are getting, a, getting to hear the gospel story. And so um, please continue to pray for those involved in the nursery. We have a congregational meeting that's happening right after church today. So um, right after church today, when we, when we do our benediction, those who are visiting with us, you are free to run out there and get some food and enjoy it. We'll high-five you. We'll say hi. We'll say bye, all those kind of things. And then we're going to run right back in here for those of us who are members of the church or faithful attenders of the church. We're going to come right back in here for our congregational meeting. It'll be a very short meeting, but it's purposed to receive a report from the nominating committee to receive the elders and deacon nominees for this year to join our teams. And so come right back in here for that. We do need all of you to come in here for that who are members and anybody who's a faithful, faithful attender, you're welcome to come and Check that out as well. In addition to that, we will have another congregational meeting next Sunday, and that'll be the big one when we do the State of the Union. We talk about what's going on in the life of the church, and uh, we talk about where we're going in 2020, and that'll also be the same Sunday when we actually ordain and install any new elders and deacons. And so please join us next Sunday for those things. That'll be a great time. There's a Super Bowl party that's happening, and two people are excited about it. That's great. There's, well, there's a Super Bowl that's happening. Let's just by a show of hands, you have to pick one, even if you don't like either team. So um, how many of you are going to go for the Chiefs? Just riding with Andy, huh? Just going with Mr. Reed. How many people are going to go for the Niners? How many people just don't even care? Uh, <laughs> Oh, oh man, it's tough, tough crowd, tough crowd. But there is a Super Bowl, Super Bowl party that's happening, and that's really for the students of our church. But you could participate simply by dropping something off next Sunday. If you want to bring something that will be a blessing to the kids who are going to have a Super Bowl party, you can do that. Or if you want to bring some of my favorite wings and just drop them off at my house, you're welcome to do that as well. 
You can see uh, Pastor Rick in the back for more information about what you can bring and how you can be a part of that. If you're visiting with us and you want more information about our church, right after church, um, there'll be some people standing in that back room back there where the lights are half lit. They'll be standing back there, and they're happy to share any information with you about, we call it our Roxy 10. They just tell you what's going on in the life of the church and how you can plug in and any of that information. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and transition, get ready for the Word of God. And so Pastor Charlie is going to pray for us while I get ready to preach, and we're going to join our hearts together. Praise the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your ever-presence in our lives. Lord, we ask that you would prepare our hearts and minds to receive a word from you. Father, we ask that you would touch Pastor Ray as he bring the message forth. And Lord, we ask that as your word go forth, that it will not return to you empty or void, but do exactly what you sent it out to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I got a... See that? Except of waiting. Of us are not about waiting. Um, I want to encourage us. Uh, the word that we're going to try to preach on this morning is on. The word we're going to preach on this morning is waiting on the blessings of God. Father, would you take this word and would you land it right in our lives as we take a look at Abraham. Father, would you allow us to see the ways in which he waited, but more so, God, would you allow us to ask ourselves this important question, what is it that we're waiting for God to do? God, be present in your preached word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you got a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. If you got your Bible, go ahead and get there. Genesis chapter 12. If you're here, if you're here with the project, you, you know this from when we preached on Friday night, that when we say that, you just go ahead and find a Bible, you open it up, you get to the spot, and you proclaim that you're there by saying, Amen. All right, so we're looking for Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. If you get there before us. Just shout out amen. We'll know you're quick on the trigger. The rest of us will catch up to you. This is what the word of the Lord says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Amen. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired at Haran, and they, they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great sea. 
At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The land appeared. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, "To your offspring, I will give this land." So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills of Bethel, and he pitched a tent with Bethel on the west and I and A on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram sent out and continued again. The story that we're reading, we're being introduced to the life of Abram, who many of us will know becomes Abraham, and and, uh, we probably know a lot about his story. We're going to just look at the beginning and the end of his story, and, and as we looked at the beginning then, um, as we looked at the beginning today, then, then, uh, then what we're seeing in this story is the initial call that God has to Abram to invite him or to beckon him or to draw him in. But the call that he gives Abram is, is uh, it's conditional. It's a conditional call. It's, it requires Abram to respond. And I'm going to help make sense of this in a minute, but I want to just set the stage for us. So Abram has to make a choice right at the beginning of what he will do. And if you're going to take notes today, I'm going to give you some points to try to take some notes on. But to help you get started, understand how old Abram is. Abram is 75 years old at this point. Now, I heard just, uh, just, I heard this powerful um, message the other day by uh, Dr. Tony Evans, who was preaching at his wife's funeral. And he talked about the fact that we don't really know how old someone is, because how old you are is in response is in relationship to when you're going to die, right? And so, if you're dying at 50, you're pretty old when you're 30. But if you're dying at 100, you're pretty young when you're 50, right? So it's a matter of perspective here. So let me help you understand. Abram is 75 years old. He's going to die at 175 years old. So he's not quite to the halfway point, but he's not a young kid either. You follow me? All right, so at 75 years old, he gets this call, and this is the call. Young people in the back, pay attention to this one. This is the call that Abram gets. God says, I want you to go. I'm not going to tell you where I want you to go. I'm not going to tell you what I want you to do. I just want you to go. It's a conditional call. If you'll go, then I will do this. And he goes on to say the things that he will do. He will bless him. He will make his name great. Uh, He will make it so that he is a blessing to others. He will make sure that those who stand against him, that God himself stands against, right? He, He will, all the people on earth will be blessed as a result of Abram's obedience. But Abram, will you go? Come on, get with me. Will you go? This is the question that God is asking Abram. Will you go? Maybe this is a question that God is asking us today. Will you go? Will you respond? Will you say yes when I beckon you, when I call you? Even if you don't know all of the details, even if you don't know how this is going to work out, will you just be obedient enough to say yes to that next step? That's what Abram is at. That's what God is asking of Abram. I don't know about you, but I want the details. How many of us are like me? You want the details. You want the All right, you're going to travel somewhere. Let's say you're getting ready to travel. I don't know. Let's say you were going to get on a plane and fly to Germany. All right? How many of you want the details? 
You want to know where the plane's taking off. You want to know where the plane is landing. You want to know how you're getting from the airport to wherever you're going. Like, you want to think through this. How many are risk takers? You're just like, I don't know, I'll just get on the plane and figure it out while we're in the air. Any risk takers? Any risk takers? A couple of you, right? Yeah. All right, you're not coming back, I can tell. Yep, uh-huh. But the rest of us, we're going to think through this all the way, right? <clears throat> How many people here just, you're really calculated. You just think everything through, like decisions are just well thought out in advance. Anybody? Come on, be honest. Yeah, it's okay. We, we know it's you. We know who you are. You've been asked to be on like committees for a purpose, right? Like we know how that works. Uh, recently, uh, about, I guess, I guess maybe almost 10 years ago now, there was a fast food chain. I'm not going to tell you which one. There was a fast food chain who came out with a new slogan. And this was their slogan. You, you probably have heard it before. Have it your way right away. Have it your way right away. Who was that? It was Burger King. Yeah, it was Burger King. They were like, have it your way right away. Fast food. You know, and I don't know about you, but it got me to go. I was excited. You know, like, yes. You know, anything I can have my way, the way I want it, and I can have it now, yes. Like, this is absolutely it. So, so Abram's having this moment with God, and God's like, I want you to go. And Abram looks up to the heavens and says, hey, God, where am I going? And what's that going to look? Because, you know, Maverick, you didn't even consult me about whether I thought this would be a good idea or not. I want to have it my way right away. That's not actually what he does, but it's probably how I would have responded if God had, had beckoned me in that moment, and he didn't, thank the Lord. But Abram responds this way. It says, God says in verse 1, go from your space, your people, and your, and your father's household to a land that I will someday show you. And if you follow down the story, it says that Abram went. Verse 4, so Abram went. There was no arm wrestle. There was no negotiation. There was no, I'm sitting here until you give me all the fine details of how this is going to go. He just said, my response to you in this moment is just, yes, one step. I'm just going to take one step. Yes, one step. I'm going to take what seems natural and seems next. He was old enough to understand that he had a choice. He wasn't a young kid whose parent was saying, this is what you got to do. Matter of fact, God didn't even say, this is what you have to do. God asked him to go. And he was old enough and wise enough to say, hmm, yes. Some of us are waiting for God to do something that is great. Matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, we talked about that, reverently waiting for God to do the amazing, that we stand in a place where we're reverently waiting for God to do the amazing. But for somebody here today, God is saying to you, go. I've set this up for you. Now step into it. Take that next step. I don't have to reveal everything for you. Just take the next step. Now, look, I want to get past that because that has nothing to do with my sermon, but I want to use that to set us up, right? So Abram has received the call. What has he received? Come on. Abram has received the, he's received the call. God has said, go. Abram has said, okay, I will, and he has gone. All right, stay in your Bibles. Flip over to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. 
You'll notice we're 10 chapters later. Come on, you with me? Remember, God had given Abram a promise. He said, I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will, uh, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And everybody on earth will owe you something. They'll be blessed by you. Now we're in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replies. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, his name is Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him uh, there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. First time he said to Abram, he said, I want you to go. This time he gives him a little more detail. I want you to go, and by the way, while you're there, I want you to take your son, and I want you to sacrifice him. I'm going to fast forward the story. You can ask your youth pastors and friends who are here with you to explain the rest of it later. But Abram is just about to sacrifice his son as an act of obedience to God. And God says, okay, hey, whoa, whoa. I just want to make sure you were with me. Don't actually do that. He says, I, I, I see it favorable that you would be obedient to me. And then God provides a ram. The Bible says that God, the Lord provided a ram that was stuck in the thicket. And he fetches the ram out of the thicket and he comes and he, he sacrifices the ram. And then he builds another altar because he says God did something special there. God showed up and did something special. Uh, Abram was asked by God to, number one, to do something that seems impossible. If you're not a parent, you don't understand how impossible that seems. Um, or if you're a parent of, of, well, let's just leave it there. If you're not a parent, you don't understand how impossible that seems, right? But it was something that was impossible. You want me to give up what you have given me? This, I, like, I love this kid with everything I got. Like, I'd rather lose my new Tims or Jordans than, than give up my kid. Like, like, no. That was for you, Alex. No. He was asked to do the impossible. And just before the moment occurs, God intervenes and says, let me make possible a better way. And he gives him another option, another alternative. Have you ever thought to yourself, like, the plan you have for me, God, is too big for me? What you're asking of me is too much? Just in our, in, our, uh, in our Sunday school class, we were just talking about the fact that God desires for us to attest to who he is. He desires for us to proclaim who he is. I know if I said to all of you right now, what God wants you to do today is walk up to somebody you don't know and ask them if they would engage with Jesus in a life that would last forever. You would be like, uh, 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 scared to death. Like, uh, God, that's too big for me. Give it to the guy who can talk, the guy we pay. He stands up in the front with a microphone. Have him do it. Give it to that person. They seem like outgoing and crazy. Right? But don't ask me to do the impossible. God, that's, that's, that's too far for me. What if God was asking of you something that was so big that you needed to depend on him for the way to do it? What if God was inviting you to something that was so big, so grandiose, that the only way it could happen is if you would fully lean into God. 
at 75 years old, Abram was, was challenged by God to leave everything that he knew and walk with God in a new direction. And he did. And then just a few years later, Abram was tested by God to say, would you still follow me even if what I was asking you to follow me to was absolutely crazy? Would you follow me to the very end? And he does. It was a test. It was a test to say, are you still with me? Do you still believe that I will do all that I said that I would do? You see, when God promised Abram, what he said is, I promise you that if you'll follow me, then I'll make it so that you're a blessing to everyone. I'll make it so that you're known and remembered. I'll make it so that you, the name, your name is not forgotten. The only way that could happen is through a lineage. So when God says, Abram, I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice him. Don't you think Abram was like, well, what about the promise? You told me you were going to make something great out of this. You told me that if I would follow you, and Lord knows I've been following you. For 20 years, we've been walking around this place. I've been, I've been with you this whole time. And you told me that you would make something out of this. And now you're saying give it up. Can we just pause on the story for a second? When God asks you to do the impossible, and by the way, the impossible for all of us is not going to include sacrificing our kids. It's not in the plan and the will of God. But when God asks you to do the impossible, to step out of your job, to step into a relationship, to step out and say something to somebody, to stand up and defend something, when God asks you to do the impossible, it's not a question of whether God will do his part. It's not a question of whether God will do his part. It's a question of do you trust God enough to do yours? It's not a question of God, will you show up? It's a question of do I trust you enough to do your part? Stay in the story because we're working our way through Abram's life. All right, so look, what you know so far is that, that God had called Abram, that God had told Abram he would do something great through him, that God had tested Abram, and then God provided the way out of the test that he had given him. If you don't know where that's at, stay in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 22 and look with me down at verse 12. Abram's boy Isaac is laying on the altar and about to be sacrificed, and God speaks through an angel, and he says, Do not lay a hand on that boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your one and only son. And then Abram looked up, and there in the thicket he saw the ram that was caught by its horns, and he went over, and he took the ram, and he sacrificed the ram. And Abram called that place the place where the Lord provides. Because on this mountainside, the Lord provided. God provided what was needed right on time. I started the, started the sermon this morning by asking you how many of us like to wait. Well, let me say this to every one of us, whether we like to wait or not. 
God provides right on time. So the question for us is, are we willing to wait for God's timing? Because God provides when? Come on, that was awful. God provides right on time. When does God provide? Right on time. Right on time, God provides. The question for us is, are we willing to wait for God's timing? Stay in the book of Genesis and go to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. I want us all to turn there, so if you don't have a Bible yet, go ahead and grab one. Get this, so you, it might be up on the screen too, but we're going to look at verses 8 through 11. I heard an amen. Heard two amens. I hear some pages moving. That's good. Come on, waiting for a couple shouts from the back. All right, there you go. Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 8. Then, Abram, Ab- then Abraham breathed his last breath and died at a good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered together with his people. His son Isaac and Ishmael buried him. Verse 11. And after Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer Lahoy. Abraham's death, verse 11, at that point, God blessed Abraham by blessing Abraham's son. This is the point when Abraham died. He was 175 years old, which means that for 100 years, he lived waiting for God to do what God said he would do. For 100 years, he lived waiting for God to do what God said he would do. God, you said you would bless me. You said you would make my name great. You said you would bless my descendants. You said anybody who came against me, you would come against them. God, you said my name would never be forgotten. God, I'm waiting for you to do what only you can do. And he waited earnestly. Did he get it right every time? You got to read the rest of the story, but I'll help you. I'll give you a little cheat sheet. There were a couple of moments where he banged his head against the wall and said, I don't want to wait for you anymore, God. And he ran off and tried to do it on his own. And then he ran back. He ran back and said, that was moronic. That was wrong. That's not the way I should have gone. And he came back to the center and said, God, I'll wait for you again. I'll wait for you. I got three points to get us through this morning. The first is this. God's timing is never our timing. God's timing is is never our timing. Go ahead and flip over to Isaiah chapter 55. Come on, keep your Bibles there. I'm going to get us in the Word this morning somehow. Isaiah chapter 55. Come on, help somebody out. Isaiah 55. The prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said this in verse 8 and 9. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
That's what God says through the prophet to the people. He says, he says, the things you understand, you don't really understand. The things you know, you don't fully know. Because what I know, what I understand is greater than what you know right now and you understand right now. God's timing is never our timing. Because he knows more of the picture than we do. I mean, I remember, I remember going before God and being like, God, this is what I want. God, this is what I need. God, if I could just have one more of those, I would be all right. And let me just tell you, thank the Lord that he didn't give me what I want. And thank the Lord he didn't give me what I thought I needed. And thank the Lord he didn't give me one more of those because I thought that would make me all right. You see, at the end of the day, God knows better than what I understand him to know. God knows more fully than what I understand him to think. God thinks higher than what I think about God. I guess what I'm trying to say to you is while you're waiting on God, understand this. You're not waiting on God in your time. You're waiting on God's time. You're waiting on God to say, now is the time. Now is the moment. I made you a promise, and I will fulfill my promise, but I'm going to fulfill my promise the way that I've designed it in the timing that I've laid out, because that is the perfect time. I told you already, God is always, not just on time, God is always right on time. We're going to get this by the end. We're going to get it by the end. Stay in the book of Isaiah and flip back to Isaiah 46. Tell you the second thing this morning. The first thing I said, God's timing is not our timing. The second thing this morning is, what God prepares, God produces. What God, I'm sorry, what God promises, God produces. What God promises, God produces. I'm telling you again, what God promises, God produces. Verse, uh, chapter 46, verse 8, 9, and 10. This is what he says. He says, uh, remember this, keep it in mind, take it to heart. You're a rebel. Remember, the former things, those of long ago, I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is no one like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God promises, God promises to satisfy all that he has promised he will do. Maybe you would say it this way, God, you're a promise keeper. God, you say it, you declare it, and you do it. God, you don't fail us, you don't forget us, you don't reject us, you don't leave it alone. You follow through on the things you're going to do. What God promises, God produces. Go back to the book of Deuteronomy. That's right at the beginning of your Bible, the book of Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You should be in book five. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter seven. Deuteronomy chapter seven. Let me hear amen when you get there. Come on, we're getting close. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse eight. This is what it says. But it was because the Lord loved you and he kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and he redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant to love you to a thousand generations of those who have loved him and keep his commands. But those who hate him, he will repay to their faith, face with destruction. 
He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. God, you keep promises to generations, to generations, ten times over, tenfold. You keep your promise. God, you didn't give up. God, you said it would be, and then you made a way for it to be. You made it possible. You saw it through. God, you didn't abort it. You didn't forget it. You didn't neglect it. You said it would happen, and you're simply saying, wait for me to fulfill what I said I will do. Somebody here today needs to hear that. Wait for me to fulfill what I said I will do. God gave you a promise. He gave you something on your heart. He laid something upon you, something you were praying about when you were a kid or a younger person, and that you've been waiting for God to fulfill this, and you give up hope at times, and I want to call you back to that. Wait for God, because what God promises, God produces. What God promises, God produces. If he's laid it on you, he will see it through. He will carry that to be. Now, look, I can't exactly say when because my timing is not his timing. And my thoughts are not his thoughts. And my way of doing it is not his way of doing it. But God is always right on time. He will see it through. The last thing this morning is this. We learn in the New Testament through Jesus and then the disciples that the promises of God are worth dying for. Let me say this again because I'm going from kind of just dipping in the water. We're going into the deep pool right now. The promises of God are worth dying for. One of the things that Dr. Tony Evans said in his sermon, he said, uh, we all fight fights. But someday, we want to stand before God and we want to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful one. You fought the good fight. Come on, stay with me. You fought the good fight. Not just you fought a fight. You fought the good fight. The good fight. And you might have all kind of ideas of what the good fight is. You might be thinking all kind of things. And many of us are thinking, man, I fought a lot of bad fights. How many people fought a bad fight before? Come on, you got into an argument afterwards, you're like, what are we arguing about? Anybody ever do that? Anybody just get into an argument like 20 minutes later, you're like, what are we arguing about? Or like two days later when you're trying to, trying to suck it up so you can go and apologize, you're like, why did I ever get into that? Anybody? Anybody ever have that? You, you got that whole fight, that whole thing went round and round and round, and after you're like, why was that all, was that all about? Anybody ever get into like a throwdown with somebody and like the next day you were best friends again? Come on, come on, somebody ever do that, right? You know, those are not smart fights. Those are not good fights. Right, that's just like, why did I do that fight? That doesn't make sense. <clears throat> but there is a fight that's worth dying for. Come on, stay with me. There is a fight that's worth dying for. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Jesus is speaking. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Thank you. I'll wait on a couple more. Luke chapter 9, 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, and you must take up your cross daily, and you must follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit 
their very self. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. And when he comes in his glory, and in the glory of the Father, with the holy angels. Jesus says, every one of us must be willing to fight the good fight. We got to be willing to die for this fight. And dying starts with dying to ourselves, our wants, our desires, but it moves and progresses beyond that. It literally, he challenges us to go to the hill. He says, you got to take up your cross, the instrument of death, and you got to follow me. Well, the only place that the only place where the cross leads you to is to the hill. You got to be willing to go and to die on behalf of what God is calling you to. And at this point, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he's literally saying, Everything that I've told you, you've got to be willing to die for it. Because I'm entrusting to you the good news that's going to be salvific for the world, but in order for the world to get it, it's going to cost you something. And at any given point, you can say, I'm tapping out. Done. But understand this. God's timing is right on time. His promises, if he promised it, he's going to produce it. And so the question for you and for me today, if I could just get everybody to look up here for a second. Look up here for a second. Wake your neighbor up and get them looking up here too. Are you willing to wait for God to produce the blessing that he promised? Are you willing to wait for God to do what God said he would do? You say, well, God, I've been praying to you. I've been burdening your ear for this. Am I willing to wait for God? I can't force it. I can't usher it. I can simply wait in the promise that God will do it. He said he would be for me, and therefore, God, I'll wait for you to show up in a way that is undeniable. Two weeks ago, I stood here and said, every one of us, as a follower of Christ, we're called to reverently wait for God to do the amazing. What if reverently waiting meant our whole life? Abraham closed his eyes for the last time, believing that God would do what God promised he would do. And when his eyes opened again on the heavenly side, he saw played in full the story that God had laid out. And how God would satisfy the promise that he only began to taste and see, but never fully got to experience. Friends, I don't want to minimize how hard it is to wait. I recognize that. It took me a long time to convince her to marry me. I waited and waited. I negotiated. I prayed, I begged, I did everything you could imagine to usher it in quicker. And then finally, she heard what I had heard God say in a long time before that. And she said, yes, I know that it's hard to wait. And we can be silly about that. 
But there's a lot of us who are waiting on something from the Lord. Maybe we've got somebody in our family that we've been praying for for a long time that doesn't yet know Jesus or isn't walking with Jesus. Maybe we've got a hope and a dream that can only be accomplished if God would show up. Maybe we're tired and we're just saying, God, like, I need you because I can't. No matter what it is we're waiting for, I don't want to minimize what we're waiting for. I want to maximize who we're waiting on. It is God who will see that through. It is God who will show up right on time. If you're going to take a note, one last note, I want to encourage you to go ahead and do this right now. Get something out you can write on or something you can text yourself or message yourself or some way that you're going to. So in the scriptures, it says that when God showed up, Abram built like an altar to remember what God had done. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, they call those cairns, like piles of rocks that people would look at and be like, oh, God did something there. You know, sometimes it's called an Ebenezer. People would walk past this creation and be like, you know, maybe it's like a stick that's, you know, carved out. And they would walk past and be like, oh, God did something miraculous in that place. Well, in our modern day, we're simply going to take a note to remind ourselves that God did something here. And the way I want to encourage you to do it is this. I want to give you two questions. I want you to answer one of these questions as your, as your Karen or as your Ebenezer or as your mile marker that God is doing something today. You can choose which question to answer, and then just note that down so you won't forget it. The first question is this. What has God promised you he would do? What has God promised you he will do? That might be something that comes right from Scripture, right? Where you, know, where you confess with your mouth and believe in your Lord, and, the, and God says he will save you. Maybe it's that, or, or maybe there's a renewal that's happening, and God promised he's going to renew your heart, to renew your mind, and you're waiting on God to do these things. What has God promised you he would do? The second one is this. How are you doing at waiting on God? How are you doing at waiting on God? The second one might be more of a confessional moment. God, I'm having a hard time waiting for you to do this. Or God, I'm having a hard time putting off that. Or God, the temptation keeps coming, I can't fight it away. And it's a confessional moment to say, God, on this day I want to remember that you, you, God, you spoke to my heart. So maybe God is reminding you of something that you're waiting for. Or maybe you're confessing to God something that is coming to light now that you're like, I'm having a hard time waiting on God. And this is what that looks like. But either way, the next time you come upon this note, I want you to be able to think back to this guy who at 75 years old got given this call. Would you go with me to somewhere you've never been before? with the people you've never been with before. And by the way, if you want to do that, it's going to cost you everything. Leave everything behind and just come along. Come along. Let's go together. And if you'll do that, great things are ahead of you. And he did. And then he spent the next hundred years waiting on God to fulfill the great things 
And God did. He gave him glimpses over and over and over again. He invited him back in and back in and back in. And when he took his final breath, he gave him the greatest gift that I could imagine. He took the blessing that was for Abraham, and he bestowed it on his son Isaac. Friends, you want to know how to bless me? Love my family. You want to bless me? Honor my wife. You want to bless me? Take my kids to McDonald's. That'd be a real blessing. You want to bless me? Allow my family to run through this place and enjoy it. My heart will be so full that I'll look past whatever it is that we've been struggling with. You want to bless me? Bless those whom I love. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham as Abraham took his final breath by blessing his son. Genesis 25, 11. Father God, I don't know what it is that you are right now promising us, but I know one thing, God. You're the only one who can fulfill the promise. I don't know what it is right now, Lord God, that you're going to do over the next 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 or 100 years of our life, but I know this. You're the only one who can see it through. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I know this, God, if you promise it, you're going to produce it. I know this, God, that you're asking us to wait on your timing, not make it in our timing. I know this, God, you are the one who will satisfy all that you said you can do, and I believe this, Lord God. Following you, while it's an act of obedience, it's an act that requires all of us, all of who we are. You said it requires denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and coming after you. So, Jesus, I pray that today some of us might be able to let go of whatever it is that's in the way, whatever it is that's been holding us back. We might be Abram. We might be climbing up the side of the mountain. We might know that there's something that we have to do up there. And, God, we might be, uh, we might be shaking in our boots about doing it because we're like, it's going to cost us too much. I'm not ready to do something that that big, that bold. But I do believe this, Lord God. What you're asking of us is to say you're first. You're the primary. You're the promise giver. So I'll wait on you to satisfy, to bring those blessings. And God, all that you might offer and all that you might bring, it'll be right on time. Produced by the only one who can. And it's worth dying for. God bless this morning as we respond to you in worship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.